When I was a kid, there was nothing I loved more than watching a horror film. I have fond memories of spending time with the likes of Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers while enjoying a bowl of sweets and drinking from a juice cup. However, I still enjoyed watching kids' films such as The Goonies, Flight of the Navigator and Team Witch, just to name a few. But of course, there were some kids' films that strayed from their intended genre. Even if it was only for one memorable scene or moment where it terrified us. So let me remind you of some of those films, and let's talk about our kinder terror. Hi guys, welcome to the second episode of Slashikara. Okay, so I still haven't aced the voyo of this yet, so I'm still going to work on that. Who knows, I might just scream my fucking lungs out when I say Slashikara next week and surprise you all. That's the joy of doing a podcast and being the host. Speaking of which, my name's Leroy Cross James and I'll be your host today. And today we're going to be talking about family-friendly films. Okay, so I understand that sounds a bit unusual for a horror podcast, but obviously there's going to be a horror element to this. I'm going to talk about the family-friendly films that scared or scarred us as kids. So this week on Instagram, I asked you guys, what was something in a family-friendly film that scared you as a child? And I'll be reading out some of your responses later. And they were really good, by the way, and I was so surprised at the amount of responses I got to that, so thank you so much to everybody who, who did send me a response. This is something I'll be doing each episode, so if you're not already doing so, go over to Instagram and make sure you're following at Slashic Horror. You can also follow me, the host, at Leroy Cross James, and just look out for the stories on Instagram and I'll post the weekly question up on there for you. So, first before I get to this week's question and read out some of your amazing responses, a bit of backstory about my experience with family films growing up. So, obviously, horror films were a huge part of my childhood, and I I saw all these horror films from a young age. They shaped me into the horror nerd that I am today. But you guys already know this. So, as much as I loved horror, and it was often what I wanted to watch or I wanted to rent whenever we went to the video shop, I was still a kid, and, of course, I liked kids' stuff too. Like, I loved kids' films, I loved cartoons, Disney, Power Rangers, those sorts of things. But something that was really prominent in my house when it came to family films was fantasy. Especially the fantasy films of the 80s. So films such as The Neverending Story, The Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, those sorts of films. And it's something now, even like even to this day, we all have in common. And it's something that we all bond over. So we're obviously we're all very different, my siblings and my mum. But... We'll often text each other either Legends on TV or The NeverEnding Stories on TV. And it's just it's just something that we just, all together, we would watch, say, at Christmas or something. So, you know, those films mean a lot to me and, and they mean a lot to my family too. 
But even though a lot of those family-friendly films, especially those fantasy ones, they may have seemed innocent at the time, if we dissect them now and we look back at them, they were really dark. Like, seriously, there was some really dark shit in those films. And I often do think to myself, how the fuck did they get away with putting that in a kid's film? So if I give you an example, let's, let's, let's talk about the never-ending story. So, never-ending story, this fantastical fantasy film about a young boy named Bastion who's getting bullied, he's recently lost his mother, and he goes to a bookstore while he's running away from the bullies and steals a book called Never-Ending Story. He goes to the attic of his school and starts reading it. And inside, it's this story about a place called Fantasia, um, and in the novel it was called Fantastica. And the story is that the empress of the land of Fantasia is dying, and she appoints a warrior, a child warrior called Ashayu, to go on a mission to not only save her, but also save Fantasia. So we have this montage after that of the beautiful sights of Fantasia, these wonderful fairy tale-like images of all the landscapes, and it's, you know, this happy music is playing. And then the tone of the film changes like that. We find ourselves in a swamp with Atreyu and his trusty horse Artax called the Swamps of Sadness. And the Swamps of Sadness, the idea of that is if you succumb to the sadness of the place, it absorbs you and you die. So Artax, spoiler alert and trigger warning for anybody who hasn't seen the film or has seen the film and knows exactly what I'm going to talk about next. Artax unfortunately does succumb to the sadness and he starts to sink in the swamps while Atreyu, bless him, is crying his little heart out, screaming at him, calling him stupid, pleading with him to try and get up and just carry on. But unfortunately, Artax doesn't and Artax dies. And yes, to this day, sorry, not sorry, but yes, I do cry at that scene every single time. So okay, it's not entirely horrific, that scene. It's just more sad than anything and it confronts us with death from an early age. But in the same breath, the, the way that the tone of the film just completely changes, it just it just adds to my point that, you know, we, we go in with these expectations with these films and just like that, out of nowhere, it, whether it's one moment or one scene, it just all completely changes. But my main point with The NeverEnding Story is actually about Gamorg, the werewolf that acts as a henchman to the nothing, which is absorbing Fantasia, and his mission is to go after Atreyu and kill him. Now, there's something quite Freudian about this because, you know, you have Gamorg, this werewolf, this monster, this creature, who is in pursuit of a child. And that's probably why a lot of us had horrific nightmares about Gamorg. And I think, realistically, Gamorg's a puppet. It's a puppet head and it just, it's black fur, it's green eyes with sharp teeth, and we all know it's fake. But... When you were younger, obviously, with the music and everything, it's, that's, what, that's what it is, basically. It's just the production behind it that makes it scary. And for me, it's not actually Gamork himself. It's the scene where Bastion is reading about Gamork and it's thundering and lightning outside um, the attic that he's reading Neverending Story in. And out of nowhere, this prop head of a wolf just falls down right in front of him and he shits himself 
I shat myself as a kid. I still do now and then, I'm not going to lie. And nothing really scares me, but I think, as I say, because it's a kid film, it just, those expectations, they just completely go and you forget about scenes like that sometimes. And also when I say that I shat myself, I don't mean literally, I just mean that I was scared. (laughs) So staying on the subject of fantasy films just for a little bit longer... Similarly to The Neverending Story, in Ridley Scott's Legend, we have this story of, this fairy tale story of darkness versus light. And that's the main theme, and that's the the main plot of Legend. And the character of darkness, played by the amazing Tim Curry, is, his goal is so that the land and everything in the world turns into eternal darkness. Now, on the other hand, we also have some unicorns. And these two unicorns, they represent everything that's good in the world. And to touch them is, like, it's blasphemy to even touch a unicorn. And it's because they are so precious. Now, one of the main characters, Princess Lily, she is introduced to the unicorns by Jack, played by young Tom Cruise. And as soon as she touches them, Jack loses his shit. They go off and have a little tiff where she says to him i'll throw this ring into a lake and the first person who finds it can marry me so while jack's busy trying to look for this ring darkness's minions go up to one of the unicorns and they literally just slice one of the horns off the unicorn that's traumatic enough and in some versions they they don't show the actual the actual horn coming off the unicorn but in some versions they do and i'll again i'll get into this in a minute but straight after this, the again, the tone of the film completely changes. It just becomes this very dark fairy tale and everything in it, I, it the, the imagery is very dark and Princess Lily later on, she goes to Darkness's lair and she sees this display of jewels, which I'm assuming she hallucinates and she starts dancing with this silhouette and I think that's meant to be a metaphor for her being seduced by the darkness. And I mean, there's nothing necessarily creepy about it. It's just, it's just very gothic. It's very dark. And but well, there is something creepy about it. There's a cupid that's fucking watching it, which is a little bit weird. Um, but anyway, it's from this scene that we see darkness properly for the first time. So I'll go back to talking about the versions of the film, the US version, the UK version, and I've seen both because on television sometimes they will play different versions of legend and it's been something that's been so annoying over the years but in the beginning of legend when darkness is giving his speech to blix about his plans to turn the world into eternal darkness in some versions you all you hear is his voice and you don't actually see darkness but in some you see this very i think it's like a bluish silhouette of him So this is the first time you see Darkness after Princess Lily dances with this silhouette and she goes from being this beautiful, innocent princess to this absolute goth queen, which I love, like, you know, good for her. But it's meant to represent that she's turning evil. Now, personally for me, I didn't find Tim Curry's depiction of Darkness scary, but I know that a lot of people did and I can understand why, because with the red skin and the over-exaggerated horns and the hooves, Essentially, what we're getting is this ultimate vision of Satan himself. And I think to be confronted with that as a kid, it is quite quite a scary scene, to be honest. And I think with the tone of the film and the, 
the way that that's completely shifted from how it started in the beginning. Again, expectations going in to what actually happens. But for me, what makes that scarier is there's two scores as well. So in the US version, the score was by Tangerine Dream. And in the UK, the score was by Jerry Goldsmith. So the Tangerine Dream version is a little bit more probably more akin to something you would expect from a fantasy film in the 80s. Whereas Jerry Goldsmith's score is very epic, it's very, you know, it's full on. But for me, Jerry Goldsmith's score is quite makes it quite, quite creepy. So, and of course, being a UK resident, that's the version that I remember the most. But as I say, over the years when it's been on TV, sometimes they will play the tangerine dream score with a, you know the different cuts of the film and that's something that's really annoyed me over the years like you, ne- you never knew what you were going to get when legend was on tv but nowadays they tend to stick to the uk theatrical cut with jerry Skull- goldsmith score whenever it's on so it's but yeah growing up i had different visions of different versions of legend and for me, the experience was always different if I watched the US version with Tangerine Dream, but what's interesting is that there's so many different scenes as well that were cut, so I think scenes like seeing the horn being taken off the unicorn's head, like that, that is quite traumatic, but it's not in every version that is out there, so... Yeah, that was a bit more of a commentary on the different versions of Legend, but my point still stands. So to get a bit of a broader idea of the types of films growing up that we saw that did give us the the chills or did scare us, I actually tested my, my theory on this and I googled scary kids films from the 80s and unsurprisingly Legend and The Neverending Story came up but films such as The Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, um, oh Jesus Christ yeah, Return to Oz came up and the the funniest one that came up actually that did make me laugh was Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and that's because of the scene with um, Large Marge, the truck driver who tells the ghost story, and she just turns to Pee Wee Herman, and then her face just becomes this like frightful stop motion thing. That never scared me; it just made me laugh as a kid, personally. So something else that came up was All Dogs Go to Heaven and it was the scene where Charlie has a nightmare that he's in hell and it was all this scary animation and it was it, it was really full on, things were attacking him. But apparently that scene was meant to go on a lot longer but it had to be trimmed down. That appears in quite a lot of the lists that I looked at for this. So... I, I don't remember much about All Dogs Go to Heaven, but I do I do remember Charlie having that nightmare. I just don't remember it being that scary. But there was one film I did want to talk about, actually, and no one I speak to has ever heard of this film. And it's, it's quite funny, because when I did look it up online, that's what a lot of people... That's what a lot of the articles about it say. Like, people remember watching this film... Or they think they watched it and they didn't know whether it was real. So it's a film called The Peanut Butter Solution. And it's about this kid and he goes into this house. He sees some ghosts and he basically he gets this <laughs> disease where he's, because he's frightened, he loses all of his hair. And the next day his family like put a wig on him and try and like, you know, 
try and make him feel better because he's really upset. And then he gets, I think he has a, I think he has a dream where the ghosts, they come back to him and they tell him how to make a solution so that his hair grows back, which has peanut butter in it. And I don't remember the rest of the plot of the film, but what I do remember is that there's this creepy old man in it and he, he kidnapped, well he has this like little entourage of kids, kind of like Fagin from Oliver Twist, except I think he's like, he's just harvesting them for him like for his own gain and that in itself is weird so read into that what you will but yeah nobody has ever heard of this film and it's it's it, it's like some sort of fever dream like you just I remember watching it I don't remember what it was on it might have been on something like I don't know like not the Disney Channel but maybe Nickelodeon once I don't know but again there was there was this other film, and I, I remember this one quite quite well, but I don't think it ever had a UK DVD release, or um, I'd, I've never seen it on any streaming sites or anything like that, but I remember that it was played on the Disney Channel, and it was called Step Monster, and it was about this boy whose mum goes missing, and he was reading a comic about these, these demons in the woods, or something, and... The next thing you know, his dad's over the mum, like, instantly, and he has a new girlfriend, and they're going to get married. So he got over the mum very quickly, so, of course, his girlfriend is this monster. And the the little lad in it tries to prove it all the way through to his dad, and his dad doesn't believe him, so he goes to his older friend, which is played by Corey Feldman, funnily enough, um, and they work out that she, the way to defeat her is through playing really loud music. Now, the film's not creepy, it's really, really stupid, it's really corny, but again, no one ever talks about this film, and I, I never hear anyone talking about it, but I, again, I specifically remember it. So it's interesting, actually, that it's never even had like a UK release or anything like that, and it's never on any streaming sites. Okay, so I think I will read out some of the answers to this week's question. Um, so, what was something in a family-friendly film that scared you as a child? And I'll start off with Tales of Point Horror Book Club. Hi again, Shelley. Um, she said, The evil rabbit in Watership Down. This is not a joke, I had nightmares. Yeah, I can believe it. Um, <laughs> the Nasty General is quite terrifying, but also as well, it's, that whole film is just, oh yeah, it's, oh, it's so sad, especially when Bright Eye starts playing. Um, funny story as well, when I moved in with my husband, he had this rabbit called Bruno, and Bruno was apparently really well behaved until I moved in, so I was like the, the stepdad that just came in and just completely, like, you know, shat all over his world, and this is what's quite funny Bruno actually used to run up to me at full speed and spray on me so I used to nickname him Nasty General but towards the end before he died he he and I came to an understanding so you know I do miss him <laughs> but yeah okay so the next question I've got is from Stephen, and he said the animation style of the Polar Express I wasn't even a kid when it came out hashtag uncanny valley I've actually never seen the Polar Express myself and I've only ever seen the trailers but there is something you are right there there is something really uncanny about the animation in that film um maybe I should check that out actually uh but thank you 
Um, the next one I have is from Amelia. She said the thunderstorm scene in Aristocats. I mean, yeah, some of the older Disney films, they, they do have some scary scenes, I guess. Like, I, I, I guess it just depends how, um, how easily scared you were as a kid. I mean, it didn't scare me necessarily. It might have scared some of you guys. I don't know. Um, who do we have next? Oh, this this one is so good. I was literally just it took me right back to being in one of one of the first houses I remember living in, and sitting in my bedroom with this film, and um, yeah, it's from Jeremy, and he said, "Boy from the Little Monsters." Oh my god! So that film, I think Maurice is terrifying enough, but that scene where you meet you see boy for the first time and fred savage is going absolutely mental because he has he's kidnapped his brother and he's just standing there in a uniform a school uniform and it looks like his skin is literally just like bursting to come off like the monster that's underneath him but it's when the camera pans round and you see the back of boy's head and you can see his brain that was so fucking weird and the way he speaks as well it's just so it's just really eerie more than anything but yeah, that was a really good answer. I really like that one. Okay, so the next one I have is from Brooker Horror, who runs Autopsy of a Horror Movie Podcast. So if you haven't checked that out, that's Autopsy of a Horror Movie Podcast. Um, make sure you do. It's really good. And he said, Wizard of Oz, those damn flying monkeys. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, for me, personally, The Wizard of Oz, I just found it really corny, but I can understand why someone would find it quite scary with those monkeys. But this this kind of leads on to another answer I got in a minute. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bear Wizard of Oz in mind just for a second. But thank you. Damien Casey said, that little turd demon in Look Who's Talking To. I don't remember a turd demon in uh, Look Who's Talking To. I remember a talking toilet, and it was it had this really weird voice where it was saying to, to Mikey, Mikey, you want to go pee-pee? Um, and that was a really bad impression, by the way, but we'll just ignore that. But I remember that, but I don't remember a turd demon being in it. Maybe I need to rewatch it again. Um, but thank you. Um, the next one I have is from Swapping Horror Stories podcast. The attic scene in Jumanji when the lion steps on the piano keys. Uh, oh yeah, and it com- it just comes out of the shadows out of nowhere, doesn't it? Oh yeah, I completely forgot about that. No, that's quite a good one. So we have one from Welcome to Horrorland. Um, hi. Um, and they said E.T. I, I've never met anyone who said they're scared, they're scared of E.T., you know, but... I see people online say that they were scared of E.T. as a kid. I just found them really lovable, personally, but that's just that's just me. Also, guys, welcome to Horrorland. They sell these really awesome horror t-shirts. They do these really cool drops, and I've got a couple of their designs. So make sure you head over to Instagram and look up at welcome to Horrorland. Um, honestly, you will not be disappointed. They have some really cool designs on their website, so check them out. The next one I'll do is a little bit of a collective because quite a lot of people have said this, which I was expecting. Um, So it was when the Grand High Witch took her face off in The Witches. And yeah, absolutely. Like the the reveal, once she takes her face off, it, it was fucking scary. But what's quite sad is that with the remake, and you know, I I wasn't expecting much from the remake. Of course I wasn't. But 
to go from what we saw with Angelica Houston with all that makeup and all those like effects to just literally having Anne Hathaway with the slits in the mouth, it was so disappointing. Okay, guys, so I've been saving this answer until last because it's one that this is my personal childhood trauma with a, a family film. So, Dustin from Dustin Can Read said, Headless Mombi in Return to Oz, the head's waking up with Dorothy Gale. And um, my friend Caitlin said exactly the same thing too, the room of heads in Return to Oz, and I'm glad that we have that in common, I knew we would. Um, So, with Return to Oz, we've gone from, and this is a sequel to the original film, We've gone from a film which is quite cartoonish now when you think about it with a witch that just wants vengeance on Dorothy because she supposedly dropped the house on her sister. And we go to the sequel where Dorothy is suffering from really bad insomnia. Same. And... Auntie M's at her wit's end because all she talks about is ours and she's just sick to fucking death of her going on about ours and not sleeping. So they take her to an experimental doctor even though they haven't got any money because the farm's still trashed after the tornado. And um, yeah, they take her to this clinic where Dorothy is about to undergo electric shock therapy. This is a kid's film, by the way, with the Disney banner above the title. But luckily, Dorothy manages to escape from the clinic and the horrible doctor and the nurse there as well, which is the same actress who plays Mombi. And she ends up in Oz. But even though this is a sequel, this isn't the same Oz that we were used to with the first film. In fact, what we get is this derelict city, the Emerald City, that's become overrun by a gang called the Wheelers. The Wheelers... They have these helmets with these weird faces on them, and all you can hear is their wheels, which is what they use to they roll about on their hands and their feet like rollerblades with them. And they all have this really sinister, horrible laugh that just it's really eerie and it's it's just yeah, it's horrible. So Dorothy learns about Princess Mombi, who she goes to see, and she goes into her castle, house, whatever you want to call it. And Mombi has a collection of young girls' heads, all in a cabinet lined up, which she swaps from day to day. So she's collecting these decapitated heads of young girls like fucking bric-a-brac. And she says to Dorothy that she likes her head. So when she's old enough, she's going to cut it off and she's going to use it as her own, then locks her in a tower. Dorothy manages to escape from the tower, but she learns that Mombi has this thing called the powder of life, which can bring things back to life. So Dorothy uses that later on to escape from Mombi's house. But she goes in pursuit of the powder of life, which she learns is in the cabinet with Mombi's original head, which doesn't have a glass screen. It's just a mirrored screen. So she has to get past... Mombi snoring her head off even though she hasn't got a head 
and get the powder of life, which she tries to get when she opens the cabinet and sees Mombi's original face, who's played by Jean Marsh, who was also the evil queen in Willow. And she she knocks it over, doesn't she? So this whole scene, just it, it's really uncomfortable. Um, as soon as that happens, Mombi just at the head just goes. Dorothy Gale and the literally the row of all the 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 heads in the cabinets just start screaming and this music kicks in and it's just it's it just ugh, it's really uncomfortable. That's my personal like terror trauma with a kids film. That's more than most horror films did back in the day. That really scared me. So, yeah, bear in mind, this is a sequel to that lovely film we've seen a thousand times with all the musical numbers and we quote wrong all the time, The Wizard of Oz. So we have electric shock therapy and a headless witch and wheelers. And, yeah, it's just, it's, again, my example of this just stems away from the intended genre, I think. (laughs) So I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode, and um, I hope you enjoyed revisiting some of those uh, some of those scenes from your favourite childhood films. <laughs> Tune in next week for another episode of Slashic Horror.